You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Morning, Chicago. You are listening to the Fully Alive radio program, which is the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm your host this morning, Dawn Fitzpatrick, and on the phone, properly socially distancing from home in Indiana, is Ray Pingoy. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Dawn. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, 2021. <laughs> Let's go. I know, my gosh. What what a crazy time we've been through. I don't know about you, but I'm happy that 2020 is behind us. Right, that's right. Although I, I sometimes feel bad for 2020. It didn't do anything. You know, it's just a year. But, you know, um, yeah, it's true. It got, a lot of things happened in 2020, but I'm glad we're in 2021. Here we go. Right. Poor 2020 got the, you know, bum rap, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to jump right into it this morning because we have some really exciting guests um, to talk to. And actually joining us um, from up in Mundelein this morning is uh, the, you know, someone who is a director of lay formation at, at the seminary um, at the University of St. Mary of the Lake and also former employee of Planned Parenthood. So she has a really good story, and she is going to be um, speaking at our March for Life Chicago rally up in Mundelein on the 17th of January. So let us all welcome Linda Corey. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Um, so we'll, we'll just jump right into it. I know you've got a, a busy day ahead of you, as always, um, and we appreciate you joining us Um so, first of all, I'd just like to tell everybody that, you know, the March for Life Chicago, which we talk about every year, is a little bit different this year. Um, this year, the March for Life Chicago is hitting the road. And, you know, it already started. So on January 2nd, um, it you know, it, it, it started its first uh, trip to another location in the Midwest. And we actually have seven rallies around the Midwest, including one in Omaha, one up in Madison, several in Illinois and Indiana. So the, the rally that we're talking about is the one that the Archdiocese is sponsoring, and that is at Carmel High School on the 17th of January at 1 o'clock. Um, Cardinal Stupich will be there along with several other speakers, and Linda Curry is one of our speakers. So, Linda, why, why did you decide you wanted to talk at this rally? Well, I think it's really important for all of us to get together mm-hmm. in solidarity fight for life because mm-hmm. it certainly isn't a battle that that can be done alone it takes um it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of support sure and i want to be there just to encor- encourage people mm-hmm. along the way because sure. it seems like you know that the pro-life movement it just it takes such an incredible amount of work and amount of community just to keep the stamina going. And part of the reason why I want to be there is because I do believe, as somebody who used to work for Planned Parenthood and used to be an an advocate of um, a pro-choice advocate, Mm -hmm. I realized how much I needed the pro-life movement to be in order and to keep going because it's because of pro-life people and because of their prayers that I ultimately changed changed my mind. It, it couldn't have happened if there weren't people that were standing up to the right thing. And for a while, me being angry with them and confused by them, sure. but at the same time, them continuing to show up and continuing to fight for what is right. So I'm indebted to them and indebted to the pro-life movement and indebted to the, to the church mm-hmm. for holding on to their teaching on this. So uh, so you're somebody that experienced a conversion um, of having worked at Planned Parenthood and you felt very strongly um, that a woman that women have a right to choose when it comes to abortion. And now you're actually an advocate for life. So so tell us a little bit about how that happened. Well, 
it isn't an easy transition. I often talk about the fact that in a lot of ways, it's, it's an easy decision to make in the sense that having an abortion is taking a life. And, and mm-hmm. even when I was pro-choice, I didn't necessarily dispute that fact. Mm-hmm. The hard part was all that came with it, because certainly it's a cut and dry issue morally, but it's certainly not a cut and dry issue in terms of how it affects the life of people who do have unwanted pregnancies. Mm-hmm. So the stance of being pro-life is correct, but it comes with a lot of other decisions right. that you have to deal with. Um, so my conversion ultimately came from the fact that I had to recognize that the taking of an innocent life was wrong, Mm -hmm. that there are nuances around it and difficulties around taking that life that need to be addressed that do not change the standard of the life being taken. Mm -hmm. And once I came to that point, I really needed to have a community to surround me, to strengthen me in that, because in becoming pro-life, I had to leave an academic uh, lifestyle that was not necessarily open to the the ethic of life in that way, mm-hmm. and it was it was a long transition. But I think that the thing that was the most important was the consistent uh, teaching of the church on this that I could lean upon until I was able to develop the the spine to be able to stand up there and and fight for life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting, I've heard you speak a number of times, and one of the things that I think is very unique about what the witness you give is that you talk with compassion about those who are pro-choice and those who work at Planned Parenthood and other abortion facilities, um, understanding and, and pointing out that typically they don't do this to be evil. They do this because they think they're doing good. And and so why don't you talk about that for a second? Yeah, I think that that's important because I think it. it it, it sometimes astounds me um, that when I do pro-life talks that, that people might not be familiar with this fact. But, I mean, I was so exposed to it and so a part of it, it seems almost self-evident. So I'm very glad to talk about it. I mm-hmm. mean, I will say that unequivocally, I believe that most people that are working at Planned Parenthood are doing it out of a sense of compassion, out of a sense of really helping people, out of the, you know, for sure, even though I regret this and I'm ashamed of it and I don't think it was right, at the time I believed abortion was the best option in mm-hmm. most cases because having a child when you're young or having a child when you're in a bad situation or when it's it's not a wanted child is a very, very huge burden to take on. Sure. And I, I recognize that. So I really thought that I was helping things. And I would say that that's most people. I mean, sure, there's bad people at Planned Parenthood. There's bad people in every institution. That's that's not the point. The point is to, to demonize them, is to mischaracterize them. And therefore, if you don't know the people that you are um, trying to counteract, if you don't know who they are, you're, you're fighting the wrong enemy. So to demonize them, I mean, it's like fighting a cartoon character that doesn't exist so Mm -hmm. i think the reality is they are coming mostly from a place of compassion misguided compassion but compassion nonetheless so you know it's one of the things that we often talk about in the respect life office and in our chastity education initiative is that it's it's important that we change minds and hearts so it's not it's not that we we want to tell people how wrong they are and how they're constantly going down the wrong path although that is a part of it um we need to understand where they're coming from and and have some understanding of where they're coming from and show them the love that it takes to understand the truth. Um, and I think that's what you're talking about. I think that there's that piece that's, of course, important. But at times when, when I look back at, um, you know, who I was before, which is, you know, I'm the same person. Of course. There's not, I'm not an entirely different person. It's just some fundamental ideas have changed and my heart has changed. But mm-hmm. A lot of it's through ideas, but I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that most of it was probably through grace and prayer. Of course. In that I can't necessarily track the moment that I changed my life or that I had the courage to do so. I think that there's always a moment of grace. So I, what I'm the most thankful for with people that are pro-life is their prayers. 
And that that's actually something that even when I was at Planned Parenthood and I would go in and I'd see people quietly praying, mm-hmm. I was moved by them. They weren't trying to just change my 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 cognition, my yeah. ideas. Those are those are pretty hard to change. Yeah. But I believe that it's the prayer behind it. And it's just prayer. You don't get to see the results of it, right? Like, we'll know if we're lucky enough to be in heaven. I think we'll see a chart of all the way that our prayers affected situations, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of those are going to be directed towards somebody like me because I can't chart the moment that I change my mind. But I will. But undoubtedly, mm-hmm. it's because of the prayers of the faithful. What And aren't we called to help people to get to heaven? Isn't, isn't that what we're called to do? Um, so we never want to give up on somebody. Right. And I, don't give up on prayer. I right. mean, it's, it's, um, it's what our faith is and it, it's really where all power comes from. Mm-hmm. So it, so what you're saying, you actually saw people praying at Planned Parenthood, um, and that, and that affected you in some way. And you know that those prayers affected you. I didn't know at the time that mm-hmm. they affected me, but I, I would say that the mere fact that they were out there mm-hmm. putting some effort into things and doing something that, that took energy mm-hmm. and smiling at me, not necessarily assuming that I was an idiot right. or that I was bad or I was evil, but they were doing their thing. And I, I respect that yeah. with people, mm-hmm. no matter if they, you know, even if they thought differently than me, but yeah. there was something about that presence mm-hmm. that um, impressed me, even if I disagreed with it. Well, and, and that's such an important point. That what that we are always witnessing for truth and love, um, and not not being hard hearted and not being mean to people. I mean, it just doesn't. It's, you're not going to win anybody over. Um, but, right. I mean, that never works. Right. I mean, it, it, you can just look at any kind of you know studies of human behavior, and that's just that's not how people. That's not how conversion works. I mean, it might feel good to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you might feel like you're doing something, but you're you're ultimately not being effective. I mean. Fine, you can be right, but if you're not effective, it's just it's not enough to be right. You also need to be effective. So you sure. need to be careful of of your own, um, you know, looking at the log in your own eye, which is to make sure that you're not just enjoying and basking in your righteousness, and then it becomes self righteousness, and sure. that's not going to convert anybody. And as a matter of fact, it, it might get you in some spiritual trouble too. Well, and that's a good point. So just deciding that you're right and you want to be right isn't going to, isn't going to win any hearts or any, you know, it's going to take those prayers and and know that it's all in God's time. Um, And sometimes it it may take somebody their whole life, but it's worth it. It's worth it. it. If it takes their whole life to convert, that's okay. So um, I I just love the fact that you mentioned Linda about solidarity and this uh, Mundelein, you know, drive-in rally this coming January the 17th. It really is a great way to witness, and this is a family event, right? This is I'm excited for it. I want to bring the whole van, yes, filled with filled with our kids. Absolutely. So, and that's a good point, Ray. Um, we haven't really told everybody that what what the uh, the, the the scope of this rally is, but it, you know, we can get as many as just about 500 cars, and everyone will be socially distanced. Most people, there will be many people that will be able to see the stage from their car. And everyone will be able to hear the rally on their car radio. We will be mm-hmm. broadcasting over WSFI, which is a radio station up in Lake County. And we'll also have another FM receiver um, as well. So it's very exciting that people can come and stand up for life, bring it in a car, and um, and listen to Linda speak along with some other speakers. Cardinal Supich will be there. The um, Archbishop of the Orthodox Church of America will be leading the prayer of Bishop Paul. You know, it's it's going. We're going to have Miss, Melissa Villa Lobos, who is um, she she received um, graces through the intercession of of John Henry Newman. I mean, how exciting is that, right? Um, and among others. So, I would highly encourage everybody to come up to the rally. You can register for the rally um, at marchforlifechicago.org. Register to lead a caravan or to bring your family or however you want to do it, um, and then. Um, We'll be headed over to Planned Parenthood at the end to pray, as Linda is suggesting, and just be a positive witness um, and and to bring those prayers to the people that need it and to, to pray for the change of hearts and minds. So um, so I encourage you all to come, hear Linda speak, hear others speak, and just, just be a part of this. Stand up for life in this odd time that we're in. We'll, we'll be socially distanced 
and um, and it's just a great opportunity to do do something in this incredible movement. So, um, so Linda, thank you for for being here today to give everybody a taste of what they'll hear on January seventeenth at one o'clock, and um, and it's time to go to break. So, so thanks again, Linda Curry. Um, we look forward to seeing you on January seventeenth at All Carmel right. High I School. Talk to you both. Yep, you too. Thanks. I'm glad. Okay, hang after the break and we will have another topic and another guest. Let's talk to you then. Charity's Divine Affair home tasting parties are going virtual. This year marks the 20th anniversary of Divine Affair, the elegant wine tasting event that benefits our self-sufficiency programs. Low-income single parents with dependent children are trying to break the cycle of welfare and poverty. Today, the need is greater than ever as the COVID-19 pandemic has left thousands of newly struggling families in need of immediate assistance. You can easily coordinate a virtual wine tasting and help Catholic Charities at the same time. Each guest will enjoy a sample wine kit that includes wine and a guide, all courtesy of Lewis Glenn's Wines. You can gather your friends and family for this fun event or incorporate a celebration for a birthday, anniversary, or engagement at the same time. To learn more about a virtual home tasting party and how you and your guests can win fabulous raffle prizes, call today at 773-756-6937. That's 773-756-6937. Cheers! Do you have a gently used laptop or desktop computer that is gathering dust in your home? Consider donating to our Catholic Charities Veterans Computer Project. We will clean out your device, give it new software, and repurpose it for a veteran who is looking for employment. Your gift will make an incredible difference in a veteran's ability to find a job. Catholic Charities provides veteran services throughout Lake and suburban Cook Counties, giving participants an array of professional and personal support. Our veterans have served our country, and it is our privilege to serve them. To learn more about Catholic Charities Veterans Services and the Veterans Computer Project, call 847-782-4219. That's 847-782-4219. Welcome back to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. I am Dawn Fitzpatrick, your host, along with Ray Pingoy from his socially distanced location in Indiana. Right, Ray? That's right. Northwest <laughs> Indiana. It doesn't sound too far when you say Northwest Indiana. Right. It's not It's not like you're all the way down near Kentucky or something. <laughs> but you could be, I guess. But that's okay. So, um, so we just finished talking to Linda Curry, uh, one of the speakers at the March for Life Chicago rally up in Mundelein at Carmel High School on the 17th of January. And we're hoping that everyone will join us. Um, it, I hope she um, whetted your appetite for some things to come and encouraged you all to to certainly take action, even in these odd times. We can still stay socially distant and uh, take action on the important case of, of the sanctity of life. So moving right along, um, our next guest actually comes to us from the Catholic Conference of Illinois. He is the executive director, Bob Gilligan. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Don. Hey, Ray. How are you? Bob. Hey. So this morning we wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the vaccines that have recently been released and are going to be all a buzz um, in the nation. So in December, the bishops' conference, actually the USCCB, released a statement about the permissibility and the ethics, the ethical nature of the vaccines, and our own Catholic conference, which represents all of the bishops in Illinois, um, have also put out a statement. So why don't I just let you mention a little bit about that statement, Bob? Yeah, sure. Um, in essence, what we did in Illinois is we are calling attention to the uh, statement that was put out by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Their two departments got together the uh, Committee on Doctrine and the Pro-Life Committee, and they released uh, a statement on the 14th, I think it was December, 
and it goes over sort of the moral um, analysis of answering people's questions about what is the moral analysis about these vaccines that are in the process of being released. Um, and there's a lot of questions about that and calling attention to it. Mm-hmm. And so the Illinois bishops thought it would be best to um, call attention to that statement and urge Catholics to look at it and read it. And uh, I think this is one of those things that, uh, one of those subjects where um, even though we've put out this statement today, I think with the uh, importance of vaccines and what's going on in the world, I don't think this will be the first <laughs> right, uh, form right. of communication. I think there will be others um, coming down um, from USCCB and from the bishops in Illinois. Absolutely. And, you know, just just to quote a little bit of it, um, one of the things that this statement from uh, the USCCB says, in view of the gravity of the current pandemic and the lack of availability of alternative vaccines, and that's an important point, the reasons to accept the new COVID-19 vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna are sufficiently serious to justify their use despite their remote connection to morally compromised cell lines. So, right. So a couple of things there. Um, there's a remote connection to morally compromised cell lines, which means that at one point there was a, a fetus who was aborted in the 70s, um, mm-hmm. and there are some st- stem cells that have been used in, with with the Moderna and Pfizer uh, vaccines. Those stem cells were used in testing. They weren't used directly in the vaccine, is my understanding, right, Bob? Correct. That's mm-hmm. right. They were not used in the production of it, but they were used to confirm some testing. That's with Moderna and with uh, Pfizer's vaccine. Correct. Right. Right. So, um, so we need to understand, of course, that uh, ideally we would never ever test anything with aborted stem cells. Never. Um, but this right. is a remote enough connection that people can feel that they're they are not, um, you know, morally culpable for what's, what's happened. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Mm-hmm. So the the other thing that they they say that it is um, under it ought to be understood that if you take a COVID nineteen vaccine, it's an act of charity toward the other members of your community, and that's that's kind of one of the very important things right now is that the bishops are considering this a grave enough situation that sometimes we we have to take some um, some means that we might not in other situations if it weren't so grave. So that's an important thing. Now, the other thing that they said, though, is there the third vaccine that is uh, possibly coming out is the AstraZeneca vaccine. And the, the, the bishops did find that to be um, more morally compromised. Um, and they concluded that this vaccine should be avoided if there's alternatives available. So that's an important distinction um, to understand when you go to get a vaccine to ask which one it is, is what I think they're telling us. Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, this is not really an interesting issue for us. And I think it's important to point out that, you know, the, the Bishop's Conference in the Vatican has been long involved for a very long period of time in advocating that the development of vaccines contain, you know, no link to abortion whatsoever. Right. And we have been advocating that for, for a long time. And I, and I think, you know, we are making some progress and it's not perfect. I'm not saying it is, but you know, the fact that Moderna and Pfizer came up with vaccines that were not used in the production of them, uh, there is this remote connection, as you indicated, in the testing. I think that's a step in the right direction, and that should afford people some comfort that it's more permissible, and as you indicated, an act of charity to take it, not only for yourself, but for others. Right. And and I, and I, and I think sometimes those points get glossed over. Um, it's it's a very nuanced position. I, I understand it. But at the same time, I, I think we don't want to get complacent yeah. in that thinking that, oh, just take this vaccine and uh, don't think about how it was derived. Right. So the bishops are in an interesting position in that they're they're trying to do both. They're trying to call attention to how vaccines are produced and that there's still this issue on how they are produced uh, sometimes. And it's, we're going to see in this issue, there's going to be different vaccines. You know, as of what we know today is we have three that we're knowledgeable about, like you indicated, Pfizer and Moderna, morally permissible. There's this issue with confirmation and the fetal stem cell lines. AstraZeneca, yeah, that's a little bit more problematic. Mm-hmm. And that has not been, as of we're talking, that has not been approved yet by the FDA. I'm told that um, as of this taping that it's going to be probably at least a month. So okay. we're going to see ultimately where that comes out. But sure. um, if possible, what you indicated, Don, is true, that individuals um, should 
uh, try to avoid that one if at all possible. But there could be situations where that's just not feasible. Mm-hmm. And in those situations where it's just not feasible, the bishops say, yes, it is also morally permissible to take it, but it would be uh, a latter preference. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. as listeners may be aware, with, with, with the Church's position on, on vaccinations with regard to rubella. They make comparisons to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. It's a nuanced position. Um, and I think that uh, this might offer us an opportunity to educate people about how vaccines are derived. Right. And hopefully through it, um, in the future, we can um, avoid this situation in the future. Sure. Um, so, and uh, you know, and it, it's it's a little confusing to some people because what they do say about that AstraZeneca vaccine is avoid it if at all possible. So it's, it's going to be really important for people to, to check their consciences on this, you know. Um, and, and I think that for myself, if, if I walk into a doctor's office and they say, would you like this vaccine? I'm going to ask them, well, which one is it? And that's going to be the very first step. Which one is it? And if they say, well, it's um, it's the AstraZeneca vaccine, then I might say to them, well, is it possible to have another one? Right. right. And if right. they say no, then I might say, well, can I go to another doctor who might have that other one? You know, and, and if there's no doctors in the vicinity, can I go to another town where the other ones are available? I mean, really, I think that this will be important to check your conscience on this and to really ask the questions. Don't just take it on face value and say, oh, well, that's the only one available. You know, I think. You know, and, and it, this is, look, this is a very uh, complicated issue. And uh, um, if somebody had gone through the steps that you had just indicated, mm-hmm. and at the end of the, this um, exercise that, that just wasn't possible, then they have to evaluate whether whether they are endangering themselves or others in, in waiting for a protracted mm-hmm. period of time. And I think with the message of the Bishop's Conference is that, well, you know, you, you may want, you may have to take that one, and it would be morally permissible under that situation that you just outlined. Right, right. Um, because of course, if you if you live with an elderly person, or you want mm-hmm. you want to be able to go visit your mother in the nursing home, and she's so lonely um, that this is a way that you can do that, or perhaps um, you know that 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 you interact with people that could be compromised. This this could be. Just the loving thing to do is is what the bishops are saying. Yeah, I, I, and you know we all wish that in the in a better uh, environment we would have clear cut choices, right? Mm-hmm. We all want us to be vaccinated and with a vaccine that is unquestionably safe, mm-hmm. that is absolutely not morally compromised, that will make sure that uh, there's a 100% success rate. I mean, yeah, we want that. But, you know, life is, is complicated and we don't always get these things. And so we're, we're offered this, this choice that's less than perfect. And so we have to do the best we can with what we're given. And I think what's what the purpose of the bishops are trying to do in their role as educators is call attention to how these vaccines are derived. I have to tell you, it's interesting just in my personal life, how many people in the last couple of weeks I've talked to about this and they had no idea that vaccines mm-hmm. for rubella were originally yeah. derived from aborted fetal cells. So, you know, maybe, God willing, there's a good that can come out of this, right. that, you know, this will raise awareness and more people will be aware of it. And then more people can do something about it, because sure. I think it hasn't been well publicized. And I have to admit, I will be honest, I myself did not know that <laughs> until about two years ago. I, had, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. I heard that rumor, but sure. I kind of shrugged it off and didn't think through it. So mm-hmm. this is an opportunity to make people more aware of what goes in our bodies and how those uh, vaccines are, are produced. Well, and for those of you who are listening, the rubella vaccine is the MMR that the children are required to have early on. Um, and some people have fought against that. Um, but the bishops have also said with that MMR vaccine that Again, our culpability is remote enough, you know, that I mean, that our our responsibility is remote enough that we aren't culpable for that um, and that it does outweigh the good outweighs um, the yeah. the evil in that situation. Because, yeah. look, we pretty much have herd immunity when it comes to measles, mump and rubella. You know, and and you know, I think Don, this is a simple point, but and we should be grateful about that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I hear people talking, I'm I'm you know, God gave us a brain, and man has done some things that are not so uh, we should not be proud of, but we've also done some incredible things. 
True. And I am far from a scientist, but you know, my understanding of the the, the quickness and the gene sequencing and and how this uh, vaccine was developed by Moderna and Pfizer, it, it is it is miraculous. And look, I mean, if we were talking a month ago, I wouldn't have laid as much odds on there being widespread anticipation that the whole country could be vaccinated by the spring or summer. Right. And, you know, that is, a, and, and I think sometimes we lose sight of those things. And sure. um, 300,000 people have perished as of now due to this horrible disease. And, you know, God willing that um, we will be willing, we will be able to uh, get this behind us and move on with our lives because it's cramped the whole world's economy and mm-hmm. you know, killed people. Absolutely. and. I mean, how many people have died in nursing homes and they can't even have their loved ones visit them? I know, that's horrible. Yeah. And so now we have a chance to, to, to move away from that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think sometimes we take these things for granted and we, uh, we should be grateful. Yep. So we need to go to a break. Can you hang on with us, Bob, for a I few can. more minutes? Okay. We'll, t- we'll everybody hang on. We're going to continue this discussion with Bob Gilligan after the break. Charities After Supper Visions program offers guests of our Tuesday night supper the opportunity to learn the art of photography. These talented guests who are often experiencing homelessness are offered disposable digital cameras and they work with volunteer professional photographers to learn the basics of taking photos. Then the artists go out and capture images on film of anything they find to be beautiful or interesting in the world. Their photos are amazing. Visit AfterSupperVisions.com to learn more about the artists and their artwork. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, too. At After Supper Visions, we are developing film, talent, and hope. It has been inspiring to see how individuals, families, and communities have found ways to help one another throughout 2020. At Catholic Charities, we usually have 35 to 40 events a year where we gather and enjoy time together in support of important programs and services while raising critical funds that allow us to respond to the growing number of people who are in need of the most basic necessities in life. Many of our events are now virtual. If you would like to be a sponsor for one of these events, please call 312-948-6864. That's 312-948-6864. Also, visit us at catholiccharities.net slash events and follow us on social media too. We so look forward to when we can resume our events in person and reconnect with our friends and partners throughout Chicagoland. For now, please consider donating to Catholic Charities so our vital work can continue. Thousands of people in Chicago count on Catholic Charities every day. Please help us help them today. Learn more at catholiccharities.net. You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. Every Monday through Friday from 8 AM to 9 AM, the Archdiocese of Chicago presents programming about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Welcome back once again to Fully Alive, the radio program of the Office of Human Dignity and Solidarity at the Archdiocese of Chicago. You're listening to Dawn and Ray, who manage the Respect Life Ministry, along with Blanca, who's not with us. But we, we manage the uh, Respect Life Ministries for the Archdiocese. And right now we're talking with Bob Gilligan, who's the executive director of our Catholic Conference of Illinois. And we're talking about the introduction of these new vaccines for COVID-19 um, and the ethical concerns and what the bishops have said about that, including our own bishops here in Illinois. So, um, so Bob, we were just talking about, um, you know, there's, there's always a little question, um, and sometimes our, our, our moral questions are kind of gray, you know? Yeah. Um, and anybody who's taken a moral theology course, which I have, and you probably have, and it's um it, it's always gray, and that's why we have to ask a lot of questions, and sometimes we have to turn to our magisterium for advice, right? So you know, it, 
Yeah, yes, absolutely. And and like I said, um, I I really wish that this was simpler that we could just say X, Y, or Z. But mm-hmm. you know, the fact of the matter, it it is uh, somewhat of a nuanced position. And like yes. you said, um, life things are gray. And I think this is one of those issues where um, I think I, I hope what comes out of it is is more awareness about how vaccines are derived. And right. I do think that is a, a potential positive of of this. Um, as well as obviously um, mm-hmm. you know, alleviation of suffering. Well, I think one one thing that was in this press release from um, the USCCB, they say at the same time, the bishops also warned that Catholics must be on guard so that the new COVID nineteen vaccines do not desensitize us or weaken our determination to oppose the evil of abortion itself and the subsequent use of fetal cells in research. So just because they're saying, okay, so this is remote and um, it might be permissible in this situation doesn't mean that we need to say, okay, so everything's fine and this can always happen. Exactly. And and I think the other thing that document talks about is is being complacent. And I think this is exactly uh, what is uh, the concern with the bishops' conference is that um, you know, if you don't bring up these issues, they're never going to at least register an awareness from the average lay Catholic. And I don't think we want to lose sight of that. And, right. you know, I, I think most of the listeners of this program are familiar with, you know, some of the controversies that have been on recently with the selling of fetal remains and yes, that kind of thing. Yes. And that's a reality. It sure is. And, and, and people want to kind of brush that, as we've seen. Uh, they want to brush that aside, and I think we need to. to we can't lose sight of that. Um, that we become a society that doesn't respect human life from right. from conception to natural death. Okay, we got a little funny noise going on there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, I think we lost Ray, but I'm sure that uh, we will get him back. Anyway, so I think that's that's such an important point. And and the other thing that I take away from that is we we have to stay vigilant in our search for an even more ethical vaccine. Um, and, I, and I know that, um, that there's other research going on that has nothing to do with fetal cells, stems, you know. <laughs> so, Right. Um, and, and, you know, I, I was on a call with uh, the other day with, uh, and Dr. David Prentice was on, mm-hmm. and I, I wish I had a better vocabulary and understanding of some of the things he's talking about it. But you know, he was talking a little bit about how the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine were derived from the uh, sequencing of the genome that, that China had allowed for and mm-hmm. how it was not it, – it, they don't even use cells to produce this, this, this vaccine. It's done with some other molecular-type structure that I, I'm kind of, it's kind of lost on me. So, um, you know, I do think there's, there's, there's reasons to be very concerned about what we're seeing with the sailing of, of fetal of, – you know, tissue to experiment on. Mm-hmm. But there's also reasons to be optimistic in that science is, is maybe coming up with, with better ways to do these vaccines ex- that as de- that is a depart from what they've normally done. Sure. Um, and, you know, we've seen this a little bit to make a comparison in the area of stem cell research. Um, adult stem cells, ethically permissible, have been yielding some very strong successes. I see ads for it on the highway, right. you know, come in and help your knees. Yes. Sounds kind of interesting, personally. Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, and what we saw the big, the big in 2004, like, oh, embryonic is going to cure everything. It's going to be this panacea. It's and it nowhere. hasn't. Yeah. So I do think there's a similarity here that maybe we're making some progress with science. I hope, I pray that's the case. But, mm-hmm. you know, time will tell. But that's why we need to be vigilant. And that's why the bishops will continue to bring up these points yeah. about not, like you had indicated, not being complacent, mm-hmm. um, pointing out that we need to be concerned about uh, how vaccines are derived and educating people to what's gone on in the past because a lot of us don't know that. Sure. And hopefully, you know, this raises people's awareness at the very least. I think and, it will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest temptation, Bob, and I really do appreciate the statement that the bishops uh, put forth here, is the temptation of just celebrating, just diving into celebration. Although we should celebrate because, as you mentioned, it is a beautiful miracle that yeah. we have this now, you know, this vaccine, but at the same time, that calling to attention to the tension of this, the wrestling of the hearts, and just being aware of, you know, where we are and what we're putting in our bodies, as you mentioned. Yeah. Right. And I mean, one of the, one of the basic things about moral theology is that, you know, 
some a, a good end is not acceptable if if you have right. a, an evil means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where people are going. Some people are going to when they say this, this just can't happen this way. Um, and that's why we need our our bishops to advise us um, and our our bioethics. Uh, we have a bioethics center just for Catholics that, that basically go through this, you know, st- step by step to say, is this morally feasible? Um, uh, and I haven't looked at the National Catholic Bioethics Center statement in any detail, mm-hmm. um, NCBC, but my understanding is they come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, that it's morally permissible. Well, and sometimes, you know, I, I tend to be real conservative on these things, and sometimes I'll be judging something pretty pretty harshly mm-hmm. when the bioethics, um, the NCBC will come out and say, well, you know, because of this, this, and this, and this, we can permit this. And, and I, I mean, I really have to prey on it. Um so I think that's what we're asking people to do, is to be prayerful here and cons- consider yeah. it. So. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out for people who may not know, it's not like the, the and, and I'm not sure if there's a moral difference here or not. I, I'm not a moral theologian, but this was a stem cell that was derived from like in the 60s or 70s in that has 70s. been replicated time and time again. Yeah. So just to be clear, and so there's no misunderstanding, it's not like these uh, fetal stem cells that we're talking about are something that was derived yesterday and right. in mass. I mean, this happened a long time ago. I'm not sure if there's a moral difference there, yeah. but I know for some people, some lay people, I, I think it's important to, to clarify that, that this happened years ago. And I'm not sure if, uh, well, I mean, we were in a different time at that point. And, we, we and unfortunately, were. we weren't vigilant on it at the time. But no, right, right. You can't and, undo the past. And, but I and I still think you know, coming from the respect life perspective, it is, it is, it is morally troublesome that sure. that we would use um, a, an aborted fetus to come up with something like this. So that means that people are harvested for research, and that's just, I mean, yeah. that's very troublesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like the bishops are saying, it's it's so remote it, it, that, that this good here is that we're going to um, take care of each other and. Um, and in this situation, since that is what's available, um, it w- it's permissible, but only only you know, if if nothing else becomes available. So yeah. as soon as as soon as they come forth with a vaccine that was not derived in any way, sense or form from um, an aborted stem cell, then this is what we have, right? Yeah, and and I think in refusing to do it and causing delay can cause. If society decides to do that, would would, would cause further death and irreparable harm. I mean, yeah. that's what yeah, that's what you're looking at at least as of now. Right. Um, so that's you have to deal with what's in front of us. Yes, and keep looking for the even more morally acceptable alternative. Right. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yep. Hopefully that will happen soon. Okay. So with that in mind, you you all, we would encourage everyone to read the bishop's statement on that. To the the Illinois bishop's statement will take you right to the USCCB statement. So we ask you to um, to familiarize yourself with that and to pray on this and um, and come to the conclusion of of what's most morally acceptable and as the bishops are suggesting. Okay. So thanks so much, Bob, for joining us. And we're going to take another break. Um, And when we come back, we're going to be talking with um, Tim Cook, who is um, someone who is just managing a heroic effort to make sure that our the people who are dying from COVID are anointed and receive last rites. So we'll be talking to him in just a minute. Don't go away. Charity staff members work every day to end poverty and homelessness. We do this on a one-to-one basis with anyone who asks for help. We also work with organizations who study these issues across our city, state, and nation. The Wilson Sheehan Lab for Economic Opportunities, or LEO, at the University of Notre Dame is one of these research centers. Through our partnership with LEO, Catholic Charities has gained valuable insights into scientific evaluation methods that determine the most effective interventions to help people avoid poverty and homelessness. Along with our experience and compassion, trusted research is helping Catholic Charities offer hope and so much more to anyone in need. For more information, visit catholiccharities.net. 
we invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend, featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. Catholic churches respond as the need to feed the hungry surges in the COVID-19 pandemic. Pope Francis's new encyclical and the call for mutual respect for all cultures. And a local priest ready to run even when the Chicago Marathon is canceled. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. Welcome back to Fully Alive. Um, as you know, this is Dawn, and I have Ray with me. We're having a little trouble getting our guest, but that's okay. Ray and I can start talking about this topic in his absence because um, we are on the COVID anointing team ourselves, right, Ray? That's right. It's been a blessing, but at the same time, it definitely has a has also been a heartache. Yes, as well. yes. So, for those of you who don't know. Um, we we have a, a team at the Archdiocese of Chicago called the COVID Anointing Team, and it's um, made up of just a number of, I, I would say, truly heroic priests who um, go at, at a moment's notice uh, to anoint someone who has COVID um, and is dying. So it's, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough situation, um, but anyway, it yeah, happens. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And- it, and at the same time as as well it's uh it's um also a, a great uh, uh blessing as i mentioned to, to talk to some of these family members to these chaplain uh folks that are trying to reach out to make sure that these patients are getting their last anointing uh before they pass on uh of course it's a heartache to to hear the sadness uh, but at the same time, a, a great a great joy also to see and, and hear uh, mm-hmm. their their thankfulness of receiving their family members receiving this last anointing. Right, right, and and I know just because you and I we each take a day um, to dispatch the priests 
that it's yeah. um, some days are just crazy. It's amazing how many people are in need of an anointing. Um, you know, it can be we had as many as 20 in one day. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 happening, and we have to continue to pray uh, about this. We just talked about the vaccine. Praise be to God for that. But also calling attention to what we're taking in in our bodies, the the, the vaccine being uh, um, in in the right uh, in the right uh, mind frame and hearts uh, as we take it. But it really is out there, and it's. Uh, it's happening all around us. Exactly. So I've just got word that Tim is on the line. Good morning, Tim. Okay. Good morning, Tim. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Hey. So as we were mentioning, Tim Cook is the coordinator for the COVID anointing team, and Ray and I are dispatchers um, on that team, and there are just a, a number of just heroic priests that are on the team as well. So, so Tim, how did you get involved with this team? <laughs> uh, well, Justin uh, was in need, and uh, he reached out, and uh, I'm happy to help him at any time. Okay, and just so everyone knows, Justin is the head of our Human Resources Department. Um, and interestingly enough, Justin started this team, and at the very beginning, he was running the whole thing, if you can imagine, and Ray and I were asked to be coordinators back, um, I don't know, May, Ray, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this has been going on for a long time. I've, I've, I've seen people just lamenting the fact that they don't think people are getting anointed when they're dying of COVID. And that's absolutely wrong in the archdiocese. We believe me every single day we're sending priests out. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it is one of the exceptions that most of the facilities will make um, in terms of their no visitor policy. Right. Uh, they will let uh, our priests in who are specially trained and yes. equipped uh, to do these. And uh, we've been doing them um, well since March, and uh, over a thousand of them, and uh, yeah, it's uh, we have uh, what we have twenty seven uh, priests that were doing it up until last week, and then we added nine more mm -hmm. uh, just because of the surge. So we're up to thirty six priests who are currently uh, active doing these uh, COVID uh, anointings of people that are in uh, grave condition. Sure. Well, you know, and it was in it's just interesting because I heard on another radio program. Um, the host just up in arms about a priest in another country who would not go anoint someone who was dying of COVID. Um, and, and I, I think I, we have a different perspective on that, which um, I was like throwing my arms up in my car, like, you don't get it. You just don't get it. That um, they have to be specially trained. Yeah. And there are priests that also themselves are compromised or may have illnesses or are elderly or you, you just can't we can't expect them to, to put themselves into a situation where they might bring COVID back to their congregation. You know, so it's so important that the priests who who are doing this are um, not only well trained, but well informed as to the risks and, and they understand how to avoid the risks as much as possible Um they go in, they do their anointing, and they leave. It's, you know, they're not able to offer a whole lot of comfort, unfortunately, other than maybe to call the family or at the afterwards, um, because we also want them to be safe and, and their congregations to be safe. So that's that's such an important point. Right. And for the non-COVID patients, we still do have priests that are uh, have access to the hospitals, uh, the local pastor, uh, parish priests who can go in and do those anointings. Right. And, and that's so important that that hasn't stopped. <laughs> no, so. right. Yeah, because yeah, those are uh, untold how many. We're not keeping track of those. Right. But, uh, but we do have access to 200 and last count, 248 different facilities in the Chicagoland area. Mm -hmm. And that includes nursing homes, hospice care facilities, hospitals, um, and sometimes exactly. even people's homes. Yeah, occasionally yeah, we're getting more of those now. Sure, sure. So, um, but I and I have to say there there are priests that, like I said, this is truly heroic. Some of them um, yeah. go out every single day and do this. Which is... I just want to I want to honor all, all those priests. I, I mean, I just I'm just a dispatcher for one day, right? And this is really a, a great team. I, I want to honor you, Tim, as well. To that that you're you know heading this up. It's, it's a big effort, an important effort. So I ask for prayers uh, for for all our from all our listeners out there. Pray for this team. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, thanks. It's uh, it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's uh, sad that we have to do it, but uh, and it it can be uh, exhausting because uh, yeah. it's twenty-four-seven. That's right. Uh, literally, and uh, but it's also exhilarating because we're able to, in a small way, uh, help 
some uh, some of our parishioners and their loved ones in some of their toughest hours in life. I mean, I really think that this this you know kind of creeps into our area of, of a spiritual work of mercy, you know, mm-hmm. where we're really helping somebody's um, dying moments. Um, and, and it's even a corporal work of mercy because we are called to, to, to bury our dead. And in this case, we're helping them to ease into that process, um, assured that they're forgiven and ready to, to meet our Lord, you know. Um, right. And then, and then, of course, on the spiritual side, it's also helping their family members to feel um, assured and, and better in that situation um, to know that their, their loved one was taken care of at the end of life. Just this is this is such a beautiful thing that we can do as a church. Um, so I'm just so glad that we we have a way to do this in this really odd situation we're in in this pandemic, where you know we I, of course we don't want to un, unreasonably expose someone to COVID, um, which is what these priests have been trained to avoid. So right, yeah. And I've heard uh, you say that uh, they're heroic, which I agree yes. with. Uh, inspiring, all of that. Mm-hmm. I've shared with some of them that uh, I'm so inspired is and uh proud of them that uh and i said that uh, their patron saint saint john vianney would be proud of him too absolutely you know he was known for doing things uh at great many many hours for many many days and uh many of these priests are doing the exact same thing and it's uh it's it's much needed sadly yeah. um but uh they're there to step up and step in well you know and there's one priest that um that ray and i know pretty well who when it's our day, mm-hmm. if he doesn't hear from us, he calls us and says, Are you, do you need yeah. me? <laughs> like he's yeah. just, he feels such he a calling. <laughs> he checks in with us. You know, normally they, they're ready to take the call, but he's calling us to see if, if there's anything he can do for us that day. You know, it's just. Right. Um, oh, yeah, we have a few of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just amazing um, what this brings out in the, the goodness of people. And when you, when you realize you're. You're called to something, um, and that you can really make a difference. It's it's just so so incredible. So and it's not just the training that they receive, but it's also the equipment, and oh, where yeah. they're constantly using uh, fresh equipment, and uh, it's all medical grade, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they do mm-hmm. look a little bit like astronauts, um, but <laughs> it's true. But I'm sure but that that's necessary. okay. You know, it's to protect uh, themselves yeah. and their congregations, and right. uh, but no, the hospitals uh, almost almost all of them. Uh, have been very cooperative in this, uh, but the restrictions are getting tighter. Yes, uh, yes. Some of them are now being uh, requested to uh, get uh, tested as they go in. It's, right. Uh, something that's developed, you know, with those rapid tests Which, now that they're yeah. available. As long as that's available, and and the priests seem to be more than willing, they just they just want to take care of people. So sure. Um, so it's just a it's a beautiful thing. Okay, so today we've had we've really run the gamut of topics here. We talked about our. Our March for Life Chicago rally that will be in Mundelein up at Carmel High School on the 17th of January at 1 o'clock. And we'd encourage you all to come in your car. You're going to be socially distanced, and, it, and it's a, a, certainly a way to take some action for life um, and to continue to do that even in these odd times in which we live. We also talked to Bob Gilligan about the vaccines that are entering our marketplace and the um, suggestions on the ethical nature of them from the bishops. And then finally, we just talked to Tim Cook about um, this heroic team of priests on, that are actively anointing those dying of COVID. Um, such an important thing we can do as a church to take care of the dying and their loved ones. Um, so with that in mind, I'd like to thank you all for listening to Fully Alive this morning. Thanks, Ray, for joining me. Thank you, Tim. And thanks to Bob Gilligan and Linda Curry for joining us as well. And we will talk to you again in February. God bless you all. I believe I overcome. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.